Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 10, Episode 20. This is Writing Excuses. How do I write a story, not an encyclopedia? Fifteen minutes long. Because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Howard. I'm Mary. I'm Dan. And we got it right! Woo! <laughs> Barely. So, this episode, we want to talk about taking all that world building you've done already for your story and getting it into your story without boring your reader. Uh, this is actually a really hard thing to do. In fact, in writing science fiction and fantasy, I would say of our genre, this is the most difficult thing to do specific to us. It's something we call info dumping. Yeah. Can I describe what I perceive to be the skill levels here? Yeah. Skill level number one is, uh, you know, the, the plasma cannon is a fusion-powered thing that magnetically bottles plasma and shoots it at the enemy. Skill level number two is... Son, you're going to break that plasma cannon. It's a fusion-powered thing, and, <laughs> and, and no, you've, that, that throws the magnets out of whack, and the column won't stay straight. Uh, and skill, number, skill level number three, I can't come up with off the fly. And that's where, <laughs> over the course of two or three paragraphs, while this plasma cannon is being deployed, the reader is told the things that they need to be told, which are, for the purposes of, the, of this story, it's a magnetic bottle that shoots charged particles. So later on, when we introduce some other charged particle magnet thing, we understand why the plasma cannon failed. Those, right. for me, are the three skill levels. End of the podcast. Good job. Thanks. Well, yeah. done. I didn't Done. give you any techniques. <laughs> so okay, two I'm minutes long. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna take that and, and start giving you some techniques. So the first thing that we look at is what information does my reader need to know in order yeah. to continue the story. In fact, let's stop and talk about that. And that's a little the bit. last piece I gave. Yeah. yeah. But that's where you need to start. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about that for a minute because that's very important to this discussion um, because. A lot, it's, it's what you mentioned in a previous podcast, Mary, where people are like, well, I spent all this time on this thing. This thing is cool to me because I've spent so much time on it. So I'm going to dedicate an entire chapter or half a chapter to talking about this thing that isn't relevant to the plot. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the, you know, we've, been, we've been talking about story questions and giving the readers the information. It's totally fine to not describe everything that is going right. on. Like if you pick up a phone... You know, the thing that is important to know is that it makes telephone calls. I can, yes. I can connect. I do not need to know anything else about that thing. Mm -hmm. I remember reading on the internet someone had put together a uh, describing modern technology in the style of Silver Age science fiction writers. And it was oh, yeah, things it was like, like getting on the airplane. Picked, yeah, getting on an airplane, or he picked up the phone and dialed some numbers on the touchscreen, and the signal flew up to the satellite and then bounced around, and, you know. You don't need to know all of that. Right. But at the same time, if I'm using an old 
uh, corded telephone, mm-hmm. and I'm planning on, you know, the the fact that it's corded, that's not a really big deal. Unless you're going to strangle, strangle someone. someone. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> that's where, where I was going to go. <laughs> <laughs> that is still the primary use of corded telephones, as far as I'm aware. Right. So, but that gets into, this is something, this is a piece of information that my reader is going to need to know to understand the story. And what I'm doing then is I'm laying the groundwork, I'm laying the geography. But I don't necessarily need to say, she picked up the black plastic receipt, black Bakelite receiver Mm -hmm. with the cord coming down in a spiral pattern to the phone and dialed it. It, I can yeah. say she picked up the she picked up the phone. She dialed it. Mm. She twiddled with the cord as she was talking. Mm-hmm. You know, I can layer things in. See, and that's the other case when you're going to want to describe what kind of phone is not necessarily because she's going to strangle someone with it, but because it says something about her level of technology, about her her poverty level. She can't afford a cell phone. Mm-hmm. She's still got an old corded phone. Things like that. Or. Uh, it was, you know, she she fiddled with the cord nervously, just like she'd seen her grandmother do. She couldn't bear to part with this phone because it made her think of grandma. Right. Yeah. Right. Now it's an emotional touchstone in the book. Yes. Although, again, if you need to know about her relationship to grandma. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, but see, that's important because when the cord gets used as a murder weapon, there's an emotional impact. Right. <laughs> exactly. Especially she strangled if... him with the cord, just like grandma used to do. Right. <laughs> No, but the operating principle here is this thing that we've... Oh, you're talking about... Uh, oh, sorry, his cord came loose because of Grandma. Um, <laughs> She's a ghost. Uh, microphone, <laughs> microphone moment. The, uh, uh, we've talked in the past about making scenes serve multiple purposes, and what we've just done here with the telephone is it is serving multiple purposes. And that, I think, is... For me, that I would say that's actually skill level four. And that's the point at which not only has the world building been transparent, but everything that you've put in the world is doing double, triple, quadruple duty. Now, I'm going to say that on a previous podcast, we kind of talked about choosing your world building to drive your story. We're going to assume now that you've picked the proper things to world yeah. build. Mary, you were going on this direction, and I interrupted you and said, let's talk about this some more. Where were you going to go next? So what I was going to go, go to next is that one of the things, one of the ways you can mask the fact that you're passing mm-hmm. information to people is through the point of view of the character. If, right. And, and this is, gets into what Howard was talking about, about the emotional relationship that the, ca- the character has to the object. That if you have them, you know, if you have her talking about uh, that she's nervous, mm-hmm. I, can, I can make you think that I'm talking about her emotional state. But what I'm really doing is I'm laying the fact that there's a cord there because I'm planning to commit murder later. Right, right. So that when I get into the murder scene, I don't have to describe the cord because I've already explained that it exists. Yeah, as a writer, I think that just giving us the information in a paragraph should be your last resort. Mm -hmm. Now, we're making it sound like you never do that. And the truth is that you do. Once in a while as a writer, you sometimes have to tell just get this information across. But that should be your last resort, and it's kind of lazy. And every time we do it, we know it's lazy. But frequently, that is the, the, that is the only way for clarity. Right. And it, so it's totally fine to do. The way you can help the reader not feel mm-hmm. like they've just wandered into an encyclopedia yeah. 
is by having the character have a reason for thinking about that paragraph. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is where a lot of times you'll get into the, the danger is when someone mm -hmm. is trying to slip it in, you'll get into the as you know, Bob, right. where the character is thinking about or explaining something that they already know. Mm -hmm. But if you can do that in relation to a conflict or something like mm -hmm. that, it will often feel much more organic. Yeah, I, I did this in Partials, which is post-apocalyptic. You know, the society has been partially rebuilt. And part of my later on plot depended heavily on what resources they had available to them. And so the, uh, the early setup for that was I put them in a dinner party. And they had a chance not only to describe the kinds of food that they were eating, but to be excited that they had a chicken instead of fish. Uh, to complain about how they didn't have this one kind of fruit, um, you know, and that helped to establish, well, they have these things, but they don't have these other things. Um, Howard used dialogue in his level two, mm -hmm. which is, I, th I think, is the perfect way to say it. Number, your last, you know, last ditch is just a paragraph explaining it. It's so easy to work into dialogue, but we have to think about the as you know, Bob. I call it made and butler dialogue, where two people <laughs> yes. discuss something they mm -hmm. already both should know about. So this is where the, the effectiveness of a Watson character comes in, where you can have a character who doesn't know about the thing, who can be told about the thing, so that then the reader can be told about the thing. I've like Howard the, on our podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I, that's my job. Uh, the... Uh, uh, the, the Watson character is one way to do it. The other way to do it is to have it break. Yeah. And yeah. to have two people working on fixing it, and they are arguing about whatever. And the reason I think that that's often more effective is that mm -hmm. if it's in the book at all as a gee whiz, yeah. then exploring it working and it not working or the is conflicts. likely to be... Or, mm -hmm. or, or the conflict. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, those are those are likely to already be a part of the story. And so that organic moment for dialogue is almost certainly already there. Right, and dialogue, while a very useful tool, is not automatically organic. You know, mm. read right, the right, Da Vinci right. Code, the character of Sophie is the, the, the Watson Watch. character, mm -hmm. the, the dumb cabbage head, and she, you know, she's obviously just there so other characters can talk philosophy at her. Hey writers, are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users in 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. 
American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go ahead and stop for the book a week. Howard, oh, you're reading oh, something. Oh, my goodness. I, I got to read uh, Brian McClellan's conclusion to his Powder Mage trilogy, uh, The Autumn Republic, uh, prior to it coming out. And I loved the first books and his world building uh, and his, his writing so much. You know, I, I, uh, I, I gushed uh, in my blog. Very excited to read this. And he surprised me by not just sticking the landing, but by showing me that pieces of the world that he had introduced me to and then not said much about in the first book were absolutely critical. And uh, he knew the end. He knew the end from the beginning. Uh, and I, f- I felt like you know, the, the trilogy hung together really well. Uh, the Autumn Republic by Brian McClellan, uh, narrated by, oh, Christian... Um, Rodska. Christian Rodska, and uh, uh, you can get it at audiblepodcast.com slash excuse by starting a 30-day trial membership and listening to it for free. That's Howard trying to read my terrible writing. I'm not sure quite how I It wasn't I that I couldn't read yeah. it. It was that I couldn't tell which line was which. Oh, well, there's only like 50 on this page. <laughs> and it's oh, a yeah. nice doodle, too. Oh, it is a nice doodle. Uh, Brian is one of my students. Um, he took my class three times, and... Um, and he's a super nice guy. He's a super nice guy. And he's also a schlock mercenary fan. So yeah. how can and I not love his he's work? He's a really good writer. And I can't take much credit because he was really good when he started, but I'm going to do it anyway. So <laughs> read my student, Brian McClellan. Great writer. Okay. So um, more methods that we're going to do. Like how do we approach these levels three and four that Toward has said? Where we're getting beyond just kind of like introducing a dialogue scene specifically to explain the thing. I, I well, start by asking that question about the emotional impact. Yeah. I start by saying, okay, I know how this is going to get used. How do people feel about it? Mm-hmm. How, how are they going to feel about, uh, about the action? What emotional attachments do they already have to the, to the what's it? Um, and, well, yeah. and, and what we're also talking about, though, mm-hmm. is, is seeing the, uh, the item in use. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether it's, it's an item, whether it's a cultural practice, whether it's, it's a part of the, the, the landscape, but seeing mm-hmm. it in use and seeing people interact with it, that this is a good way to get description of it across. Right. You know, you can you can say you know ran her hand across the the smooth wood of the right. sailing ship, and mm-hmm. then okay, so I've just told you that this is a wooden ship. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's it's having the character interact with it instead of saying there was a wooden ship sitting in the harbor. Right. Well, and the other thing is to just not stop the story for mm-hmm. it. Yeah. That's the, the really important part. Like, not just, you know, running your hand over the smooth sailing right. ship, Absolutely. but it's like, you know, the storm is coming, the boat starts creaking, and we have to keep this, the, the boat going in the storm. Come up with an exciting, interesting scene full of motion and conflict and power and emotion, and then interject these world-building descriptions to help cement us in the scene. Yeah. It, it occurs to me that one of the one of the best places that I have seen this done is actually the pilot episode of Breaking Bad, in the description of how meth is manufactured. Oh, interesting! Because not only do they use the Watson character, because there's a scientist describing it to a student, but we also get to see the process go wrong. We get to see all the precautions that they have to take in order to manufacture this and not get caught which informs the process itself. Right. And then at the end, they use the side effects of that process in order to kill some bad guys. And so you're getting all of this stuff wrapped up in one. It's, it's like a master class in how to do this properly. But I do want to point out that this is something that you, this, this fullness that we're showing all of the different aspects of it is something that you're doing when it is a plot-specific Exactly. Thing. If that was not a show about manufacturing meth, that would be way too much world-building information. Right. So, the, again, this gets into the making sure that you understand what function this is serving in your story. If it's just background color, then you can just mention it in passing and move on. Right. Like, I have a story in which I just I say, well, this was in the year before the Battle of the Red Armies. Mm-hmm. The Battle of the Red Armies is completely unimportant. I have actually no idea what it is. But what I've said is... That this is something that happened in the right. past right before a dr- dramatic and cataclysmic event. And that is the important thing. And even if you know a lot about the Battle of the Red mm-hmm. Armies or whatever it was. Yeah, then, I have no idea. Then <laughs> you still can just drop it in like that. Mm-hmm. And that's the best way to go about it. Um, in fact, even if it's important to the plot, mentioning it occasionally as a relevant information. In the Way of Kings, you know, women don't expose their left hand. I, people ask me all the time, when are you going to explain why they don't expo- expose their left hand? The answer is, it's immodest to them. Yeah. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yes, yeah. there's like historical events that led up to that, but do we talk about the historical events that, you know, that why it's, you know, improper for us to, uh, to you know, to wear our bathing suit to the store in the winter? I, it's just well, that's not cold. something we do. Yeah, that's cold. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but yeah, I mean, it's like, you know, why do I have to keep my chest covered? And you yes. don't. We don't talk about that. Everybody just accepts it. Yes. Um, we're running out of time. 
Um, we do have a lot of podcasts on world building and show versus tell. So the archives, once again, going to be very useful to you if you want a little bit more on this topic. Mary, you have a writing um, exercise for our students to do. Yes. So what I want you to do is I want you to pick a specific gee whiz item, some specific item to your world, something that you have created. And I want you to have something go wrong with it. And again, this can be culture, this can be an object, whatever it is. But something goes wrong and your main character has to deal with it going wrong. So, these are the three pieces of information that I want you to get across while it is going wrong. I want you to get across how it works, what it looks like, and again, you know, physical mm -hmm. or cultural, and your character's relationship to it. So, if, if this is something, and I'm going to use an object as an example, if it is an object that is something she cannot afford, then I need to know that she can't afford it. If it's something that she covets, I need to know what. If it's something that she disdains, I need to know what and why. So, what I want to know is, you're showing me a scene in which something goes wrong with your gee whiz item, how it works, what it looks like, and your character's relationship to it. Excellent. This has been Writing Excuses. You're out of excuses. Now go write. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.